A few years ago, the Knights of Columbus made some major decisions and changes. Specifically, they said, because they were struggling to recruit new members. So they changed the uniform that fourth-degree knights wear. As many of you may remember, when you know the plumed hats and the swords, those went by the wayside, and now it's, now it's a beret. Uh, not really sure how I feel about that. Um, but they also changed their initiation rights, thinking that if it's less exclusive, it'll be easier for men, especially young men, to join the Knights of Columbus. Now, for me, it actually inspired me to go all the way through with my fourth degree because I wanted to go through the old one before they changed it. And so I did all of that. So I guess in, in one way it worked for me. But one of the things that that conversation had was at the same time, it was around the same time that I was um, in the preparation for becoming pastor. And a conversation we were having was how just generally speaking, not just in the church, but generally, especially among young people, they're less likely to join groups and clubs. It's not something that just, it does affect us, but it's not something that just affects us. It affects all sorts of things. I remember a few years ago, my father saying at his country club in St. Louis, they were doing all of these renovations trying to attract younger families because they were having a hard time attracting younger families. Within the church, this happens to us as well. When I became pastor, I met with a lot of the parish groups that had been going on for years, and most, if not almost all of them, were kind of ending because they hadn't had new members join in a number of years, or there was never really a connection with our student community. This is a challenge that we face within the church. It impacts us in every way. You know, the other day, Father Thomas was asking me, where are all these altar servers? Where are they? Well, you know, I hadn't planned on sharing this. These are the three altar servers who have volunteered for training since 2020, right here. Right? Thank you, gentlemen. We appreciate your service. And this is not me getting up here and saying, you should all be altar servers or anything along those lines. It's just the reality of how hard it is, how much harder it is, to recruit, especially young people, for things. Because they have other things going on. They have other priorities. And this actually can be very dangerous for us as a church because we tend to look at things through the lens of the institution. If we aren't doing A, B, and C, if we aren't doing these particular programs, or we don't have these particular ministries, we are failing as a church. This is a a really institutional, monolithic way of looking at the church. And and also creates artificial competition. If St. John's or St. Charles does something, we have to do it, and we have to do it better. But what does it do? It doesn't really address the underlying issues. It doesn't address the realities that we face. We can do all of those things, but will lives be changed? When I was going through some old files in the campus ministry file when I first got here, it was from about 20 years before I arrived, and they were tracking the quote-unquote success of a retreat. And the success of the retreat was measured by how many people got involved in ministries. Now, that's a wonderful thing. It's good to be involved. I want to encourage you to get involved. But my question as I look at that is, whose lives were changed? Who is still practicing the faith? Because ultimately, that's what we're about. 
We can have all these wonderful ministries with all these people in them, but our lives being changed. Are people giving their whole self to following Jesus Christ, to taking up their cross, and living their Catholic courageously and with conviction? And that's harder to measure. It's also harder to get someone to that level. But Jesus in the Gospel today shows us the model that he used to build the church. And the first thing is this. He built relationships. Everything in this gospel is predicated upon the depth of Jesus' relationship with Peter, James, and John. He loved them. He spent time with them. He invested deeply into them. So that when he called them, they followed because not because they understood, but because they knew that the person asking them loved them. And so as we look at the world around us and we ask ourselves, what can my response be? The first thing is that each and every one of us has the ability to build relationships. And we don't have to have all of these relationships. You don't have to know everyone and everyone doesn't have to know you. But who are those two or three people in your life into whom you can deeply invest? And here's the beauty of Christian vocations. Most of you at this Mass are married and have children. There it is, right there. Those are the relationships right in front of you. Those are the people into whom you are called to invest deeply, as Jesus did in Peter, James, and John. In a particular way, Jesus loved all of the apostles, but in a special way, he set apart these three apostles. In your life, those people who you choose to set apart and invest everything into. When you need to call them to conversion or new life, they may follow you because why? Because they trust you. Because you've earned the right to be heard. And so we are called to build deep, and abiding relationships. The second thing that Jesus shows us in the gospel is a glimpse of who he is and who we are meant to be and become. On Mount Tabor, Jesus is transfigured, and we heard in the gospel that he was whiter than any fuller could bleach fabric. And I would like to meet the fuller who could bleach the whitest fabric because oftentimes our habits are totally, utterly stained from different things. But what an amazing image. Jesus shows, as best as the apostles can understand, a glimpse of his glorified body. And they are totally overwhelmed and overcome. They don't even know what to say or do. Peter kind of mumbles something out. It's good that we're here. Let's build some tents. That's what we're called to be also. So Jesus not only builds that relationship, he also gives them an identity. You are a beloved child of God. Everything that you do flows from that. Everything that I am, I hope, except for my sin, flows from the reality that God has chosen me and loves me, and desires to become one with me. That relationship leads to this question of who am I, and whose am I? And brothers and sisters, 
You and I are the Lord's. What Jesus showed the apostles on Tabor is what he desires for each and every one of us to become so immersed in his divinity that our humanity is overcome and transcended and transfigured and transformed. And so that we bring to the poor, to the needy, to the downtrodden, to those in our life, to those at work, to those in our family, we come as Jesus comes. This is the power of our identity in Jesus. Jesus does not need us to save the world. He's God. He's enough. But he chooses each and every one of us to be an essential player and partaker in the salvation of the world because our identity is wrapped up in him. And so he points the way for us. He shows us who we are. He invites us to live our life in that. And in the gospel, we hear he told him, don't say anything about that. And we can think, why was Jesus trying to hide that? And I like to think it's because we, as followers of Jesus, need to meditate so much on who am I until the Lord transforms and transfigures our heart to see ourselves as we truly are. We cannot speak or utter the words that we need to speak and utter. We need to spend that time in prayer. We need to spend that time growing in virtue. We need to spend that time meditating on all of these divine truths so that we can be transformed. So that who I am flows from that encounter, that deep abiding encounter with God who has made his dwelling in my heart through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so we need to spend time with this. This might seem self-serving, but we need to spend prayer time every day on the fact that I am God's beloved child. Because when we get that, it just falls into place. And as St. Paul says so beautifully, if God is for us, who can be against us? How can he say that? Because he's known that love. Because his identity is totally wrapped up in Jesus. And when we have that, then we can go forward and be on mission with the Lord. Then we can come down the mountain. And Jesus shows us how to do that in the Gospel. The first thing is the words from God the Father. Listen to Him. We need to shape and form our hearts according to God's revelation in Scripture and in the teachings of the church. We need to listen to Jesus. We especially need to listen to Jesus in those areas of our life where we constantly kick up against the goad, where it's hard to follow him because he has a word that he desires to speak into our lives. And his word is always freedom, peace, and joy. To follow Jesus, to listen to him, and to to allow his word to transform our hearts will only lead to greater freedom, peace, and joy. But not only does he say listen, he gives us that mission of building those relationships building those communities. He doesn't, say, he doesn't say to the apostles, go and build institutions that will last forever. He doesn't even say, I will build you a parish and your parish will be there forever. He says, I will be with you until the end of the age. I, Jesus, God, will be with you. So our mission is not to prop up in a way the institution but it's to lead people to that new life in Christ, 
The church provides the grace for that. The church is the place where that happens. If we can't do that with each other, woe to us, it's going to be a difficult life. But the mission is to go to those two or three people, to listen to the word of God, and to see how it changes everything for all of us. Because though we don't have the number of ministries that we once had as a parish, the impact that we're having, especially on campus, is almost exponentially more than we had 12 years ago when I first came to St. Paul's. Because when we allow ourselves to recognize the need for relationship and build authentic relationships, when those relationships lead to an identity in Christ, it sends us forth. We cannot help but go to share the good news, to conform our lives radically to Christ, and to build up others to follow Jesus. For this we are made, for this Jesus came into the world. Let's go. Let's follow him. Let's do this great work because we are made for this. We are made to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus, and not only to see him as he is, but to be transformed into him by his grace and his mercy.